You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello, everybody. I'm Besa Gordon. And of course, you're watching Converge Media. We are actually doing a new community voices. This one happens to be on vaccine hesitancy in the black community. Of course, we're going to talk about what is keeping black people so hesitant from getting the vaccine and also talk about what has made people change their minds from getting the vaccine. One thing that you may actually be happy to know is that since uh, I want to say March 25th, let me check my notes. We've had 70, 76% of African-Americans in Washington state that have been vaccinated, at least in the King County area. So that's actually really good. But honestly, you guys, we don't make up a big percent. So frankly, we still have a lot of work to do. All right. So being that I can't sit here and talk about COVID all day by myself, although I could, but who wants to hear that? We have a nice panel with us in studio and we have someone that is sitting with us virtually. All right. We're going to get into these panel introductions right now. First and foremost, we have Corey Strozier, Tacoma School Board member. We also have, we have Pastor Lawrence Willis. He happens to be the, past, the, the pastor of True Vine of Holiness Missionary Baptist Church. And then in studio, we also have Dr. John Vassell, okay? Dr. John Vansell is with the Foundation for Health Care Quality. So we have a nice uh, roundabout of different opinions that we can talk about here for COVID. And honestly, we are not even going to hold you guys up. We are going to bring our guest on screen and we're going to get into some of these questions. And also, by the way, I do want you guys to know that if you have questions for anyone on our panel or just in general about COVID, drop it wherever you're watching, whether you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, drop your question we can get to that at the end of the panel. How are you guys doing? How are we doing, Doctor? How are we doing, Corey? Doing well. Good. Doing well, thank All you. All good. Can't complain. Good, good. Pastor Lawrence, you okay? Good. <laughs> you good too? Well, hopefully we'll have Pastor back because we definitely want to talk about COVID in the church. And I know even... Like our first question really has to do with how COVID has affected us since 2019 till now. And if we're talking about churches, I know for a fact that my mom was very, very upset when COVID stopped. She couldn't go to church for almost like a year. She was super sad. She was like, I'm watching it online. It's not the same. Let's start here. How has COVID affected the two of you? Let's start with you, Corey, and within like the school district and like working with schools and students and parents. Like what's been different? I mean, it, 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 we've had to adjust on the fly. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing that uh, you think that you can do that you ain't got to think about COVID uh, before you do it. Um, but it's, it's changed my life completely, man. My, my little girl was was uh, deep into to basketball with the YMCA mm -hmm. one day. And then the next day is like, hey, no more basketball, COVID. And we had no idea what that what that meant. Right. But for for work, uh, for schools. Folks had to adjust. I mean, we go from no telecommuting policies to now you got to make a telecommuting policy so yeah. folks can work from home and be safe. So it's just co constant adjustment for, for two and a half years now. Um, so it's definitely had a, a negative impact, but also, you know, you get to learn a little bit about yourself when you got to stay at the house. So that's the positive. I learned to like yourself again. <laughs> Not as many distractions. Dr. Vassell, what's been going on differently with you since 2019 when COVID hit? 
Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. Of course. Uh, and I always like to start out, and Pastor Wilson's heard me say this many times, with my rules about COVID. Uh, my first rule is don't get COVID. You know, uh, my second rule is if you must get COVID, don't get sick and don't die. And my third rule is, again, if you must get COVID, don't spread it to other people. So those are the, the simple three rules about COVID. And now how has it affected me? It has affected everybody, as we've just heard. Uh, and I'm going to actually get personal. Uh, my sister had COVID and was hospitalized. Uh, her daughter got COVID and had to go home and take care of her mom because there was nobody else who could take care of her uh, without getting infected once she went home from the hospital. So it's come that close to me in terms of having a, a sister who was affected. I've had friends affected. I've had uh, church members die. So this is real. You know, and I think it's been around long enough that everybody at, at some point has either come into contact with it or has come into contact with somebody who has been affected by it. It's hard to believe that there's anybody at this point, two and a half years out, who has not been personally affected or knows someone who was personally affected. Absolutely. So that's that's the deal. It's definitely turned our whole life upside down. No 360 over here, only 180. Um, let me ask you this. So we have a clip. Uh, who is this clip from? I want to say this clip is from Dr. Conrad, mm -hmm. and he's talking about some of his hesitancies before he got the COVID vaccine. Can we play clip one? The vaccination came so rapidly and we didn't know what was going on, who to talk to. And we also had cases like um, the Tuskegee um, case where, you know, what they was doing to us back then. So it's like, where do we get the information so we can make truly informed decisions? And then also, what is the cultural response of practices to uh, giving that information out to our communities to where we're actually making great informed decisions? Okay. So, Dr. Vassal, let me ask you this. When it comes to COVID, I know a lot of African-Americans worry has been what happened to us in the past, especially with Tuskegee and all of the different experiences, experiments that they did on us, whether they were giving us a disease and they weren't giving us the cure for it or they were testing cures on us that they weren't even sure if it would work. What has been some of the hesitancies from people within the African-American community to not get COVID aside from those two obvious ones? Well, first, let me address those two obvious ones, which in my opinion, not necessarily all that obvious because there's more to it that we need to know as black folks. Uh, first of all, we're talking about immunization. How did immunization practices come about in this part of the world? The, that's a story that many of us don't know. There was a pandemic in Boston in the early 1800s of uh, smallpox. Now, people were dying at a very high rate, about 17% of the population of Boston died. There was a uh, man named Cotton Mather there who owned, quote unquote, a, a black individual from West Africa who was enslaved. He named him Onesimus. Onesimus knew from growing up in West Africa that there was a way to prevent uh, smallpox. And that was getting a little bit of the pus 
from those bumps that occur and scratching your skin with it. And you would get a less severe infection and you would you'd be less likely to die. That's the first instance in this part of the world of vaccination. It was brought to this part of the world from West Africa by a black person who was enslaved and given the name Onesimus. And the ministers out there know that Onesimus <coughs> comes from the book of Philemon in the Bible because Onesimus was a slave in the Bible. That's where vaccination came from. That's where this whole process came from, uh, from black people. You won't learn that in the textbooks, uh, but, you, but that information is out there, okay? Uh, so we're, now we're in the 21st century. We have a new technology called an mRNA virus. Uh, how did that come about? Well, there was a black woman by the name of Kismetria Corbett at Harvard, whose team developed the Moderna virus the vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, mRNA vaccine that we are using. And Dr. Corbett is like young. I mean, she's the same age as my youngest daughter, and I've got three daughters. So there are black people on both ends of this. Uh, there are black people who brought this technology of vaccination to us. And there are black people who brought the current Moderna vaccine to us, to the world, not just to black folk, but to the world. So if there's any hesitancy about this, it should be tempered by the fact that black people are involved in, in the development of many of the te technologies that save our lives we just don't know about it. Now, it's true that uh, we have been abused in the medical system. In fact, it's true that we continue to be abused in the medical system. You know, I'm not going to whitewash it, right? So when black folks say that they're hesitant, they've got every right to be because uh, people have to trust their own experiences. And if you have been abused in a system, you're not going to go back to that to that abuse if you got good sense and most of us have good sense. So that's where I start from. I start from where the, where is this person coming from? And most of the time where they're coming from is, is the right place, is correct. They're coming from their experience. So how do we deal with that? Because we have to get medical care. We deserve medical care. Uh, we need to pr be protected. We deserve to be protected. We need to avoid being uh, subject to to uh, inequities and inequalities in the cell, in the healthcare system. But unfortunately, we have to find a way to navigate it ourselves because there are people who aren't going to help us navigate. Absolutely. So on that topic, let me ask you this. If we have all of these facts about African-Americans actually being part of the vaccine creation process, where do we look for proper information then? Like if it's not Great. in the textbooks, mm -hmm. Who like do we do we get your that's, email? Do we hit you up? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're hesitant because we don't trust the information that, that's out there. That's a great that's a great point. Uh, when you look for information, everybody's looking on the internet nowadays and social media and all that. The question you need to ask yourself is who is giving you this information? Is this a legitimate source of information? Because there's all kinds of information disinformation and misinformation out there. So the first thing is who is giving you this information? And I get my information from credible sources like the Centers for Disease Control, National Institutes of Health, 
and some of the universities uh, when we're talking about actual credible information about the science. So that's where you need to go, not to your friend or, you know, you heard that Rihanna's, Rihanna's cousin's boyfriend had a problem with the vaccine. That's not where you go for the information. Okay. Do you um, actually give your students or I mean, obviously you work for the school board, so it's not like you're necessarily walking around the hallways. But what policies have you put in place to make sure that your parents also have the right information? Because I'm pretty sure sometimes they're like, I don't want my kids to have to wear a mask at school. I don't feel that my kids should have to be vaccinated. I don't want my child around a child that isn't vaccinated. What are you doing to kind of alleviate some of that confusion in your schools? That's a good question. So uh, the the easy answer is this. The decision about whether we wear masks in schools, whether students get vaccinated or not, that doesn't lie with us as a school board. We have to uh, rely on the guidance from the local health departments uh, who then get there and who get their information from the CDC and some of these sources uh, that Dr. Vassal mentioned. Uh, what we do is we put in place policies based on that information because none of the five school board members in Tacoma, well, one of them is a medical doctor, but none of the other ones are medical doctors. So we don't try to pretend to be, we don't try to pretend to have that information. You're right. Some folks um, do get upset that you got to wear masks, but at one point masks was the only defense against COVID-19. So it only made sense for young people to be protected so that they didn't catch something at school, take some back home to their families, and then you have a situation there, right? Um, so what we do at the policy level is just ensure that our policies are indeed in line with what the state uh, guidance says. We don't try to deviate from that plan at all. Um, and that's how we, at a school board level, can keep folks safe. Again, as you mentioned, we're not down in the weeds. I can't go to the school and police uh, masks or vaccinations or anything like that. Uh, but what I can do is ensure that we are in line with with uh, the policies that come from the state. I love it. So I don't know if you guys actually heard about this, but whoa, is Pastor back? Yes. No, yeah. I can't see it. <laughs> Hello, Pastor. How are you doing? Hey, hey, doing great. I'm sorry for all the technical difficulties. But well, I'm here and, and ready to go. Well, let me ask you this while I have you here. Um, as a pastor, I know that your churchgoers definitely trust you. You know, I my mom goes to church. I grew up in the church. It's very easy for us to hang on to every single one of your words. Where have you grabbed your COVID-19 information to make some of your churchgoers more comfortable with getting COVID? And if they weren't comfortable, what would you say to them to make make them comfortable with it? Yes, uh, my I got good advice from Dr. Vassar. So I went to a professional myself. Um, also working with the uh, anchor group and uh, Larry Williams doing this uh, doing this stud- study around COVID and and how it affects the black community, as well as um, uh, working with the Department of Health. Uh, it's it's been very interesting how this co- this COVID affected. Uh, the church. And so um, the members trust us. And so uh, we just gave them from our heart 
and told them that uh, biblically, uh, we need to um, make sure we take care of ourselves and then others that are around us. So if you did, if you weren't concerned yourself, but be concerned about other people and the church members around you. And so that's kind of how uh, I relayed information uh, from the professionals that I talked with, the information I was able to gather uh, around the, the conventions and the state uh, uh, Christian Christians uh, around uh, the, the, the the nation of how they were addressing issues uh, with their churches. And so uh, working with uh, other church leaders and um, getting information online as well. I love it. Have you brought in any uh, doctors to speak with your uh, church members personally? Uh, not yet, because we're now, you know, these um, restrictions are now getting lifted. And so we're, we're going to wait, but also have some uh, professionals come in and talk to um, the churches, not only my church, but being um, president of United Black Clergy, um, asking other pastors to be involved, to bring uh, doctors and professionals in to talk to the congregation as uh, we come out of this pandemic and be safe. And then one more while we're on this topic, if you have anyone in your church that is still hesitant about vaccines or even getting the boosters, and we'll talk about boosters in a little bit, do you know what any of their hesitancy currently is? Yes, the uh, um, from the young people, um, it's, you know, they want to make sure that their health is uh, going to be well and that they can still have kids. That's one of their concerns. We want, I heard that it make you sterile and all this. So we, we give them the information to put them to put them at ease. And so uh, uh, with that, uh, I, I just believe that uh, we're, we're going to be able to come out of this pandemic together with the right information that we need to move forward. That's actually a really good point for some of those concerns. And before I switch the chat, the question, Dr. Vassell, you know, I got to ask, <laughs> does anyone have to worry about having kids in the future to your knowledge right now? With regard to the with with to, regards to, to getting vaccine. the vaccine, I have seen a lot of people saying like, you know, they're worried about women are worried about menstruation being heavier. Men are worried about not being able to have children. Other women are worried about just certain body parts being wrong, breast cancer, et cetera, blood clots. What do you know if like there's any truth to people not having being able to have children in the future? Uh, there is no relationship between the vaccine and sterility impotence or, or problems with uh, delivery or birth. In fact, uh, women who have COVID, certainly while they're pregnant, generally have a worse time of it. They have a, a more severe disease and they're more likely to get sick uh, and more likely to die if they get COVID while they're pregnant. Women who have, have been vaccinated while they're pregnant uh, it turns out that they give the antibodies against the COVID to their offspring, both through the blood and through breast milk. So their infants, when they're born, are protected to some extent against the, uh, against the virus. So it's actually a positive thing. Uh, with regard to men, males, no effects have been uh, seen on reproduction or sexual ability <laughs> associated with the vaccine because that's what men are more that's what they're really concerned that's about that's what they're really concerned about <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so we're gonna change the subject just a little bit. I actually was minding my own business on YouTube last night, which is honestly really no such thing. Like, obviously, you're watching other people's content, and I seen a clip from Weon. Can we play clip three? Oh, it is not over yet. The Wuhan virus has morphed again. A new subtype has been detected in China. It has been named BA11. It doesn't match with any existing variants. This virus was found in Suzhou, a city next to Shanghai. The patient is showing mild symptoms, but nothing can be taken for granted. So before I come back to you, Dr. Vassal, let's go over to you, Corey, real quick. Do you guys have any emails or any protocols when things like this start happening? Like, obviously, they're saying that BA11 is still over in China, but if they're having a problem with it over there, it's very easy for it to get over here. So, like, do you warn parents, like, hey, something is happening, or do you, or do you just kind of, like, cross your fingers <laughs> for the best? <laughs> no, we don't necessarily cross our fingers, but we also don't uh, warn parents either. Mm. The reason why I say that is because you don't want to create a sense of panic. Uh, next thing you know, kids ain't coming to school, kids ain't doing their assignments. Um, and, and we know what happens when students are not, you know, in the school building. That's where they do their best learning. Um, so what we do, just like I said, said to the other question, we got to wait for, for our local guidance. If anybody has emails or communications or inside scoop on what's going on with other variants, it's the health department. So we wait for them to then contact uh, our superintendent and then they come to us and we make necessary decisions. Uh, I, I try to stay away from warning parents, especially or opening cans of conversation about something that I'm not an expert in because they turn they turn it back on you. You know, a lot of elected officials try to, uh, you know, talk about things that they are not experts on. I got this from you. <laughs> yeah, nah, you ain't get that from me, player. So we, we, we wait for the health department and then we make decisions. Fair enough. Uh, Dr. Vassal, what do you know about, like, if anything, about this new variant and why COVID keeps mutating? Yeah. First of all, Strozier makes a very important point, and that is uh, there's a certain amount of confusion because of getting, you know, the first wave of information and jumping on it and running with it before it's really been developed. And that's something that's very difficult to, to deal with because on the one hand, we want to get information out as soon as we know it, but on the other hand, uh, we need to make sure it's, it's gonna be long lasting information. It's not gonna be something that's gonna change <laughs> like next week. So it's, it's, that's kind of a problem. With regard to the variants, the, everyone knows that, that the, this virus mutates. Fortunately, with regard to the Omicron, even though it's more transmissible, it's less serious, it causes less serious disease in most people. Now, we always have to keep in mind that there are people who have, who are immune compromised, people who have organ transplants, people who are uh, getting immunosuppressive medications for various kinds of autoimmune and other serious diseases, cancers, those kinds of things. So we can't make a general rule for everybody. There will always be those people who, uh, will not have a good immune response, who are going to be more susceptible, and who we must protect. That said, the Omicron variant has been less severe than the Delta, and uh, the BA11 uh, is in Wuhan, China, and that's a whole nother story, <laughs> which I don't want to get too much into. I want to talk about BA2, which is the one that we uh, have now. Uh, it's the most 
uh, prevalence uh, uh, strain right now. And fortunately, it's not very serious. Now, why is that? We don't know for sure. It seems as though enough people have been vaccinated, enough people have been exposed uh, to COVID that there's immunity in the, in, the, in the general population. And so the disease seems to be getting less severe and the variants seem to be getting less severe. And we're hoping that uh, soon <laughs> we will not be talking about it and we will not be thinking about it. Uh, many people who are getting the, the, the BA2 variant hardly know they have it. They have a cold. You know, uh, President Barack Obama got it. He didn't know he had it. He, all he had was a scratchy tro throat. He didn't know he had it till they tested him. And he was on TV today uh, with President Biden was, you know, signing an executive order to continue the Obamacare. And he looked fine to me. But of course, he always looks good to me. <laughs> You got that. Um, I don't get wrinkled skin, man. If anything, he looks younger ever since he's gotten out of office. I'm like, wait a minute. Let me get the reverse. All right, you guys, we talked a little bit longer in the beginning of the show, so we're actually going to take a commercial break now. Of course, stay locked to Community Voices right here on Converge Media. I'm your host, Basa Gordon, and of course, we have more discussion coming back from our panel in a second. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're still watching Converge Media. Okay, this is a special edition of Community Voices. This time around, we're actually talking about vaccine hesitancy in the Black community, especially here in Washington State. I am your host, Basil Gordon, of course. In studio, we have Dr. Vassal with us. We have Corey Strozier with us. And then we also have, through a virtual... Baptist Church Pastor of Holiness Missionary Lawrence Willis. Willis, excuse me, Pastor Lawrence Willis. Let me get that right. <laughs> so I'm going to have a question for you, Mr. Willis, in like 2.5 seconds. But okay. first, I want to ask you, what? Oh, I want to ask you, Dr. Vassal, a quick question. Um, when it comes to COVID testing, I know that we have certain numbers right now with people that are positive and not positive, but a lot of people are taking tests at home. How accurate do we know that these numbers are? With regard to the tests, they're, they're accurate in terms of determining whether or not you have uh, a COVID infection or at least COVID virus in your system. The uh, antigen test, which is the test that you get over the counter and that you can get in your drugstore, measures the antigen. The PCR test that you've heard about is done in the hospital, and that's much more sensitive. In fact, so sensitive that sometimes it'll pick up little bits and pieces of the virus when people are not actually infectious. So, or they're getting over the infection. If you do the uh, antigen test, the one that you, you can do at home and it's positive, that's a good sign that you have COVID. So uh, it's, uh, it's accurate. If it's negative, it, you still could have COVID depending on when you test because you have to test at the right time. So when do you test? Uh, certainly if you have symptoms, then uh, you ought to test right away. If you've got a fever, you know, you're coughing, you think you have COVID, test right away. If you're exposed to somebody today who you think might have, have uh, COVID, don't test today because it's probably going to be negative. You need to wait three, four days 
if you develop symptoms for sure test, even if you don't, if you feel like you pretty strongly you were exposed, then that's when you ought to test. If you test too soon, it'll come back negative before enough virus has built up in, your, in the system to give you a positive test. That's good to know. Now, oh, I am actually going to have you play another clip for us. I think it's also important to talk about um, in our community, a lot of us don't like to go to the doctors. So sometimes things like COVID takes us out just a little bit easier. So we are going to play clip 0 0.5. Because I didn't want people to feel uh, sorry or, or, or really worry about me. I just wanted them to be awake. I wanted them to know this is real, this can happen, this is not a hoax that the government is doing, it's really happening and if you don't believe things, you know, that somebody else, I need you to know that I'm telling you for a fact that I don't have a cold. This thing is kicking my butt and I am making arrangements to make sure that my stuff is in order. That's how bad it was for me. And I'm just grateful because I was told go to the hospital and I made up in my mind, if anything gonna happen to me, it's gonna happen to me in my house. <laughs> because, you know, I, it, anybody that knows me knows and it's bad to say it, I'm not proud of it. You, you usually have to call the ambulance before I go in, you know, that, that has changed. Right. in my life <laughs> you know I, I i seek out medical advice more now pastor lawrence willis it to your knowledge do you know if you have any members that they haven't necessarily gone to doctors as much as they should have and maybe covid affected them more than it possibly would have if they would have had like a perfect bill of health well i can attest to that personally um, I hesitated um, as an as a African-American man. I, I hesitated on uh, going to doctors at times. But through through this COVID, um, uh, I had to reevaluate um, how I looked at myself, my life. Uh, it affected uh, me with um, my mother being in the nursing home and not being able to uh, visitor and I've should have been up on different things, but when COVID hit, um, I couldn't visit my mother and I was still hesitant on, on taking the shot because everything about it coming out real soon, real quick, but also being having to be concerned about the church and, and members. Um, it, it made me aware of I hadn't been taking care of myself the way that I should have by going to the doctors, but, but now, you know, I'm, um, you know, I, I have to take care of myself and uh, make sure that uh, others around me are safe. And so I was personally that affected me. Oh. Corey, have you had to, like, convince anyone within your family or in your inner circle to, like, go to the doctor? It's like, look, even if you don't have COVID, go get your yearly physical. Yeah, it's a it's a constant conversation. I try to my mom always told me something. You ain't gonna be able to convince no grown person to do something that they ain't going to do. However, I do have conversations, you know, uh, with, with my, my cousins and, and folks who, who think that uh, just drink, drink a ginger ale and lay down is the, is the solution <laughs> that, that, that don't work no more. Sometimes you got to go to the doctor. And I'll be honest, I used to be extremely hesitant to, to go um, and get checked out. Uh, but my mom, I'm her only son. 
and she stays on top of me. And I, I, I think she might have it in her calendar that said, hey, it's about time for you to get to that yearly checkup. Hey, have you talked to your doctor? Um, so it's not a lot of convincing that goes on. Definitely conversations. Um, I'm not trying to change nobody's mind, but it only makes sense. Like if you're not feeling well, uh, modern medicine has 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 come a very long way. And uh, a lot of our people who look like us are, are dying from things that they got cures for. And I just don't think that that makes any sense. So with that being said, whenever I'm not feeling well, you know where to find me. I'm going to be at somebody doctor's office or somebody urgent care getting checked out. That's right. Dr. Vassal, what's been your experience? Has it been about the same trying to get your patients to come back in or even like family members? Yes, yeah, it's, been, it's been about the same. But first, I want to give a shout out to Josie Howell. If you all haven't heard her sing, go find her because she can sing. <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs> but to your question, uh, even my family members, I've had to had to talk and talk and talk. Uh, to uh, get them to to pay attention, you know. Uh, what I do is, you know, first you got to hear them out, you know. When people are, nobody wants to get sick, nobody wants to die, you know. So there's got to be a reason why they're they are resisting. And so the first thing is not to just jump on them and say you got to do this, but I just listen to them and find out what is it they're concerned about, and see if you can address what it is they're actually concerned about. Um, and sometimes you find out some interesting things. You know, uh, I, I've had people say that they're embarrassed to say that they haven't had the vaccine. They don't want to take it, but they're embarrassed to say it, so they don't talk about it. I've had people who have, have gotten COVID and now they're really embarrassed to say that they didn't have the vaccine because you still should get it. Even if you've had COVID, you should still get the vaccine because it gives you a stronger response. So people have had COVID, now they're ashamed, now they don't want to talk about it. So the first thing is find out what is it that's holding them back and then try to address that to the best of your ability. And if you can't address it, get somebody else to address it. You know, I'm a doctor. This is, if it's if they have a religious concern, I call Pastor Willis, <laughs> you know, get them to the person who can address their concern. Yeah. Well, then l let me also ask you this. You know, I've seen some people that go the more holistic route. I mean, whichever route you go, that's that's on you. But um, within going the holistic route, they've also talked about nutrition being a big thing. And one of the reasons why African-Americans were hit so hard from it is because of our nutrition because of our health would you say that if someone ate better over the years if they were actually keeping their health up it, it wouldn't attack them as much like is that a possibility or is it still kind of like hit and miss actually that's, that's a two-part uh, question and let me answer both parts first part is uh in terms of being holistic and taking care of your health that's an absolute must uh, if you are going to be healthy, not just COVID, but anything, uh, hypertension, diabetes, uh, arthritis, all those things, if you take the best care of yourself, you are more likely to have a good outcome, a positive outcome, regardless of what hits you or doesn't hit you. So on the holistic front, yes, do that. Do all those things. The other part of the question, will we be more resistant to this particular disease? Uh, will black people be more resistant to COVID because of holistic health? Uh, we are not more susceptible to this because we are black. 
we are more susceptible to it because the people who get COVID are people who are exposed to it. And who's exposed to it? People who are uh, in home situations or job situations where they are exposed to a lot of people, especially a lot of strangers. And it turns out that a lot of black folks are in jobs where they are exposed to a lot of strangers. If you're a white collar executive, a CEO, up on the, the 15th floor of an office building, you know, you're exposed to your secretary and a couple of other people. That's it. If you are a bus driver, you are exposed to thousands of strangers every day. So your chances of getting the virus are much, much higher. So it's not about being black. It's about what, how are you exposed? What, what exposes you to this virus? And uh, so health-wise, be healthy for, for, for yourself, for your family, and for all those things that can affect you. Uh, with regard to COVID, again, three rules. Don't get COVID, <laughs> right? If you get it, don't get sick and don't die. And if you get it, don't spread it. Um, okay, so Pastor Lawrence, let me ask you this. Does anyone in your church currently have any concerns about getting the booster if they're already vaccinated? I remember looking something up and I saw that we're like, what, on our second potential boosters right now? Am I wrong about that? Well, it depends on which vaccine you got. Because oh. on the Moderna and the J and J, there's three shots and one booster on the on the uh, the uh, oof, now I'm blocking on the Pfizer. <laughs> I'm sorry, on the Moderna and the Pfizer, it's two shots and a booster. On the J and J, one shot and a booster. So with the J and J, you're talking about a third shot. With the other two, you're talking about a fourth shot. Yes. Wow. And, and jabs over there. your 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 question uh, on that, we um, at our church we we put up information on our website, uh, on our Facebook about uh, COVID, the facts and everything. And so now our church is very educated about COVID. And one of the things that we we did as a church, uh, about six or seven of us, when this first came about. And, and I was gathering information. I, I went to uh, Dr. Vassar. I went to Odessa Brown, uh, got more information around those that uh, those um, clinics that work with African-Americans. And then as a, a church, we went and got our shots together. And so with that, it encouraged others to do that. But I'm not trying. I wasn't making the church do it. I um, off uh, said I was going down to get my uh, Pfizer. We got our shots together. And now uh, with that information, they're not hesitant on getting the booster. They're just saying, when when should they go get it? And so that's that's how we what we're doing at our church. And we're spreading information to uh, other uh, churches and ministries uh, about what's uh, the facts about COVID and how they can get the information that they need. So they they they'll have everything they need to take the sh uh, either booster or not, or they can make decisions decisions with good facts. I love it. Now in Tacoma schools, is that like a? At least I know with UW, they were talking about making it mandatory. It's where you guys had to have a booster to actually come on campus. Is that something that you guys are doing for Tacoma schools or is that like also optional? Yeah. So just keep in mind that uh, the COVID vaccine is not mandatory for students. Gotcha. COVID-19 vaccination is mandatory to be employed by the district. Mm. So 
there is no mandate on, hey, the booster's available. You got to go get the booster to stay employed. So to answer your question, no, no we're not. We're not uh, pushing that just just yet. Well, that's actually good because, I, like I said, I saw with you, they were like, oh, we're going to make like boosters mandatory, whether you were a student or you were faculty. So maybe it's more so on like the college level where they're making it more so mandatory, which would actually be fair. Um, let me ask you guys this. What role, in your opinion, um, Pastor, should government actually play in giving out information for things like COVID? Uh, very careful first. Um, that's what I believe caused a lot of confusion at the beginning. The, when, it, when the information came out, it came out uh, in a way that it affected African-Americans to think a certain way. And so um, having, having the correct information, being able to uh, uh, understand what, how, how it works and how things are, 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 are functioned. And and say that um, I wanted you to add a little bit to your question. Can you repeat it again on what you wanted me or what you were saying? Oh, let me think back to what my question was. Oh, that's what it was. I was asking you, what role do you feel that our government should play in giving information to the public when it comes to vaccines and health situations like COVID? It, it, it's having, having the, the specialists really uh, talking with communities, going to the leaders uh, in, in, in a way that the information can get uh, fed to us in a, in, a, in, a, in a way we can understand it. Because some, some of the language was, you know, Ebonics, we didn't know what they were saying. And so having the proper uh, wording and information come out to where in, in every community, the communities can understand what they're saying about a disease or COVID. Absolutely. Now, uh, Dr. Fassel, in the midst of COVID information literally changing in real time, <laughs> what is the best, best way for us to make sure that, for example, like how we had the BA11, yeah, that's something new, but that's only in China. I didn't realize that we have BA2 that's actually floating around here. So like, off the top of your head, is there an actual website that we can surely go to with the best information that's relevant for us? Uh, yes. Uh, I use the CDC website primarily. And of course, we have our local health departments, uh, Pierce County, uh, Tacoma Pierce County Health Department, King County Health Department. Uh, with regard to the information on uh, COVID, uh, it's been around long enough that we pretty much know what the information is. And although there are some little changes from time to time, the basics uh, are not going to change. We know that uh, the vaccines work, all of them work. Uh, we know that the boosters uh, are particularly good for people who don't mount a good immune response, uh, elderly people and people who uh, have an underlying condition. Uh, we know that uh, the, the vaccines prevent people almost 100% from uh, being hospitalized and seems 100% from dying. The only people who are in the hospital uh, with COVID now are being a, who are being admitted are people who are not vaccinated. People who are vaccinated are not showing up in the hospitals. They're not showing up in the emergency room. They're not showing up in the funeral home. So that's important to remember. There are some side effects from the vaccines, but when you look at the, the if all vaccines have side effects, you look at COVID, 
uh, people die from COVID. People don't die from the vaccine. So, you know, those are things you have to weigh. And we haven't talked about it, but there's still this thing called long COVID, which means there are people who have had COVID infection, even relatively mild infections, who never really get over it. They, they still have fatigue. They still have brain fog. They still have shortness of breath. It is not a good thing. So it's something you don't want. How often or how common is long COVID? Because I did see that popping up in a lot of my information and apparently African-Americans are not really a part of the studies for long COVID. So that's definitely not helpful mm -hmm. for us either. The estimates are as low as, well, I'm, I'm going to say between about 20 and 40%. So about between one and two and five people, and that's a lot who have had COVID, have some ongoing symptoms months after uh, the uh, acute episode. Yeesh. All right, you guys, we have a couple more questions left for our amazing panel. We're going to go to another commercial break, but you already know, stay locked to Converge Media. This is Community Voices, Vaccine Hesitancy, The Black Perspective. When COVID first hit, I was very afraid. There was so much things that I had to keep inside because I didn't know where to place my feelings. Most of my information for COVID is from my own research. I'm a doctor in educational leadership. And when the FDA approved Pfizer, it helped me realize that the vaccination is healthy. We don't want to be left behind because we're not taking the vaccine. But we want to get as much information as possible so that we are putting ourselves in better hands and not at great risk. Welcome back. You are still watching Converge Media. This is Community Voices Vaccine Hesitancy, The Black Perspective. I'm your host, Besa Gordon. And look, we are just to the end to our panel, but we have a couple more questions. So I am going to actually direct this one over to you, Corey. Let me ask you this. So with, you know, mask mandates kind of going away, like you can finally get an Ubers without a mask on, you know, vaccine um, requirements are definitely loosening up. How do you currently feel about, um, I don't know, I guess you could say the safety precautions that we have in place right now for, well, stopping the spread of COVID. Do you feel like it's okay? Or do you feel like we need to tighten up a little bit for just in case? Yeah, there's a reason why they don't give me the money to make those decisions. <laughs> so <laughs> what I would say is uh, if the powers that be say it's a good idea to uh, loosen up restrictions, then it's a good idea. What I appreciate is the ability to make decisions for myself and for my family. Uh, we all know that, that COVID ain't going nowhere. It's still here. You can very much still catch it. With that being said, we have the ability and the power to continue to protect ourselves uh, by optionally wearing masks uh, when you get in the, in the Uber or when you go into buildings in the restaurants and things of that nature. Uh, you kind of just got to take care of yourself and then take care of the people that are around you. Um, I personally, not the school board member had because I don't want my words twisted. Uh, uh, I personally uh, think that we should still have uh mask mandates for a little bit longer because every time uh that we loosen up restrictions i'm not gonna say it because i ain't got nothing to knock on every time we loosen up restrictions we know what happens uh but for me uh and mines we are going to continue to ensure that we wear masks around our family uh when we go to visit uh, just so that we can be safe we know that restrictions are loosening up but not necessarily for for us just yet and if, if i Absolutely. could give an amen first because i couldn't have said it any better 
You know, the, the other thing I would add to that is I'm hoping that when the mask mandates go away, the people don't just throw away their masks. Because uh, to Mr. Trozier's point, you know, we still may need it. And in fact, there are some people who we still who still need it. Uh, we you wear the mask to protect other people. You know, there may be people in your family who have had a, a transplant or on med medications or there may be somebody who's who's uh, immune impaired and they don't know it. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're around those people out of respect, out of protection, wear the mask. I'm hoping that the mask won't go away completely to people say, oh, I'm done. I'm going to burn them. I'm never going to see them again. You know, in during the respiratory seasons, during the winter, when people are coughing and blowing and sneezing, they should be wearing a mask. We should get used to seeing it. It should be a common thing. And when people aren't wearing it, we should be looking at them funny. <laughs> you know, uh, that will protect us. I love it. Now, let me ask you this, Pastor Lawrence. How do you feel that um, the government, whether it's federal, local, um, how could they help out our communities at this point and stage where we are within COVID? Uh, uh, working at the grassroots level, uh, working with community closer and, and churches, um, um, just just seeing how the effects have uh, how how it's affected the community because as we're coming out of it, it's it's really damaged uh, the community and, and churches and organizations. So they should be looking at how to support us uh, in the community and and um, how we move forward out of this uh, together. We they they should be right here at the grassroots to see how it's affecting us. Do you two agree? Grassroots, grassroots. All right. Well, honestly, you guys, we answered a lot of my question within some questions, which is always great because it makes it to where we don't have to talk as long as we get right to the point. So with that being said, look, we are going to honestly go to one more commercial break and then we are going to end this particular edition of Community Voices. So stay tuned. My name is Josephine and I live in Renton, Washington. I am a singer and I use the arts as a way for me to elaborate on all the concerns of our community. I ended up with COVID and it impacted my life greatly. I was told sometimes to rest, but resting felt like I would die. I was told to lay down, but laying down flat took my breath away. Even after getting COVID, I still did not want to have anything to do with the vaccination. There was much fear in the African-American community and no one should react out of fear. Before you do anything, pray and make sure that you're praying to get the answer and not praying to get your answer. Since I received the vaccination, I've been able to breathe. Reconsider asking yourself why you are hesitant because it wouldn't come up if it didn't need to come up. I'm telling you to stand and make a choice. We'll be all right. All right. Welcome back. I hope that you guys actually enjoyed and frankly learned something from this episode of Community Voices. Uh, COVID hesitancy, the black perspective. I am your host, Faisa Gordon. And before we go, I would like to ask Dr. Vassal, Corey, or even Pastor Lawrence, if you guys have any last words about COVID, what you want your community to know about COVID vaccine boosters before we get out of here. Well, I can start. Uh, start. I'll, I'll end the way I started. Three rules. Don't get COVID. Uh, if you get it, don't get sick and don't die. And number three, don't spread it. Now, what does that mean? Don't get it. 
that means avoid those situations where you know uh, you can be exposed and uh, wear a mask to protect yourself. Uh, number two, don't get sick and don't die. How do you do that? You get the vaccine. People who get the vaccines uh, generally have mild illness and they're not going to the hospital and they're not dying. Number three, uh, how do you not spread it? Wear a mask, uh, test yourself if you are going to be, if you have symptoms and particularly if you're going to be in a situation where you might expose somebody, uh, an elderly person, somebody who's immune compromised. So those are the rules. <laughs> Love it. Corey, you got anything? Yeah, I would just I would just end by saying get the proper information and make an informed decision. We we live in a in an information age, so so I don't know is no longer an acceptable answer. Uh, and I've also heard a lot of uh, I'm not getting a vaccine because I don't know what's in it. And my rebuttal is always we don't know what's in in the vodka or the tequila or the whiskey <laughs> that we drink, but we still uh, <laughs> we order chicken nuggets, order chicken sandwich. You know, uh, we don't know what's in that either, but we still partake. So I just want to, you know, you, you do these things to take care of other people. Don't be selfish. Okay. Know, take care great. of yourself and take care of others. And Pastor Lawrence, do you have any last words? Yes. Yes. Want to thank Converge for uh, having us on and having me on. And, and you're doing a great job. You've done a great job during this section. So kudos to you. Continue to do the great work. And uh, my words is to just stay safe and look out for others. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you all for joining us. And also thank you Converge for letting me host my first Community Voices. This was really, really fun. Um, of course, we want to thank Anchor Group here for us. And obviously we got a shout out to the Black. Wow. That is a rude brain fart that I just had. Black Media Matters Studio. Shows I didn't eat today, child. Anywho. <laughs> We are going to be back very, very soon with another Community Voices. I'm your host, Faisa Gordon, and I want to wish you all a happy, happy Tuesday. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.